0: Oh, good news Pete Alonso did not win the 2023 Home Run Derby Because fuck that guy Oh, I missed it Vlad Guerrero Jr. wins the 2023 Home Run Derby It's not nobody, it's Vlad Jr. His dad, in fact, won the Home Run Derby back in 2007 good That's the first down. father-son oh, that's ever never to win before? the Home Run Derby, yeah A cast iron brains, a podcast that was reading recently about 45 year old Brian Johnson, CEO of a company called Blueprint and how he spends some two million dollars a year trying to reduce his biological age to 18 again. He is attempting to achieve this with experimental treatments that include swapping his blood and plasma out for some donated by his 17-year-old son, a strict vegan diet of fewer than 2,000 calories consumed over just six hours, followed by an 18-hour fast, 100 supplements and pills a day, and the occasional injection of fat into his face in order to build a, quote, scaffolding of young person's fat cells something that this podcast pioneered a long time ago, though notably without the needles and not just in the face. This prime this expensive, indulgent, indefensible, raging against the only fundamental fact of all known individuated life forms, that we are temporary, that we will, if we are lucky, age and die. This hideous narcissism and self-obsession masquerading as healthfulness and virtue— Is it even possible to wear this sort of thing lightly? Is this just a sort of twisted rich guy's asceticism? Can one ever even gesture toward self-improvement without broadcasting, intentionally or unintentionally, one's belief in one's own superiorness, without attracting the undisguised hate of those who feel looked down upon, of those who feel judged and lacking and insulted by one's feeble attempts to better oneself? Perhaps, this podcast concluded... The only moral answer is, as ever, fuck it. <laughs> my name is Bob, sitting across the way from my good friend and co-host, that's Abe. How you doing tonight, Abe? Doing well, Bob. Yeah, here we are. Lori's here to tell you tonight. Lori? Nah. Nah. That's how Lori's doing. Tonight I'm not,
1: is... not... What I'm doing, honestly, Oh, here we go. I'm, I'm not... I'm impatient.
0: That's a constant state of being, though. That's not new. For Monday, July 10th, 2023, a beautiful summer day here in the fine city of Charlottesville. Welcome back, Abe. It's been a couple of weeks, uh, 15 days, I believe, since we last recorded an episode. That's right. You're looking fit and tan and well rested. Uh for the listeners he doesn't look tan, he just looks no. like himself.
2: It's Although just... I'm expecting some peeling of my skin over the coming days. Oh yeah, days did you did get asked? a burn down there? Well, no, like I I apply the sunscreen as they tell me to, but I I'm never confident that I'm doing it exactly right, so there's always some exposed skin and when I come back there's like some spots that I missed and it's like burnt and I can yeah. feel it. I'm waiting for that.
0: So I didn't uh, peruse like uh, Interpol's website or I didn't, I didn't check to see if any unusual fires or, or murders I happened. You. i just say I, I felt no compulsion whatsoever to check into those things as a loyal friend of yours, uh, just obviously. But did you have a good time despite uh, no international headlines made so far as we know?
2: Yes, it was, uh, it was a lot of fun. This was, uh, so like last week it was like, I did the Petri road race on Tuesday. That was fun. Uh, yes. and then did you like, set up PR. No, uh, the opposite. I, I'm trying to do this thing where my heartbeat doesn't go above a certain amount. I don't care how slow that is. Like I'm, I'm just going to try to, <laughs> you have a
0: heart rate goal rather than a, a, a finish time goal.
2: So, you know, I'm very like, uh, uh I'm inclined towards anything gimmicky, you know, um, uh, Generally speaking, and so uh, like this Brian was, Johnson guy apparently. Yes, like this guy. Uh, but the, the, there's this orange theory thingy where it's like if you know there's like these different heartbeat ranges, and they are uh, the color associated is that the, with the, it.
0: Like the bike class or something? Is that what orange? Yeah, theory I think is? it's
2: like from that world. Uh, but basically, okay. they have like color coded heartbeat ranges, and they're like you want to be like you want to avoid being at red for too long. Like that's like the highest, like your it's like one hundred and 16 to 5 beats per minute and higher, or something, you know. And then the the next low, the next highest is orange. And then you want to stay there. Like, that's a good range. And so when somebody told me that. Would
0: that be in like the 130s or so?
2: No, I think it's like 140 to like 160 or something
0: like that. Okay.
2: Something like that. Don't quote me. I'm not an expert at that. I haven't worn
0: my Fitbit in a long time, but I feel like I used to run with a heart rate of about 135 beats per minute.
1: Bob's Bob's heart rate spikes when he's doing dishes. He's got a really bad heart. His
0: <laughs> what, are heart... <laughs> I, I heart. what are you
3: talking always about? I a great heart. What are you talking about? He's
1: had a really mm. fast heartbeat. I no. the a
2: vigorous washer, you know. <laughs> uh, I would like to see what your, your average heartbeat is doing the dishes. <laughs> <Just> like,
1: <laughs> Apparently, but... me too. I don't know. Put your fucking Fitbit on.
2: <laughs> but yeah, so I got one of these uh, stupid watches that keeps track of that sort of thing. And uh, so I I averaged like one fifty seven, which was my keep under one sixty. That was my goal because it's like it's very humid in Atlanta in the middle or early July. And so I did that. And next year I'll do the same and see if my time improves.
0: Is this based on anything from like uh, a doc? You just picked this up? No, no, no. You
2: know, no, no medical consultation. Uh, Gotcha. Not even like a Google search. Just I heard these colors. They said to keep it in the orange, and I was like, oh, that's a good gimmick. I'm going to do that. And I did do that. But anyway, that was my Tuesday. And then, like, the rest of the week, I was, uh, well, on Thursday through last night, uh, Sunday, I was in uh, Aruba, which was a very fun uh, weekend. A little too jam packed as far as uh, activities, like uh, the uh, birthday boy, this was a 40th birthday kind of thing. Right. Uh, Like, not a lot of breathing room to do, just relax and, like, just sit at the beach you know i don't think i could be sat at the beach once even though we're so there's a, a, a very on an
0: island. fully packed itinerary yeah
2: it's like from yeah. this time to this time we're gonna do this so we're gonna go do the some yacht thing we're gonna go to atv like all fun activities all fun activities but just like there's no like breathing room i thought right. i'd be able to read the only re- reading i did was on the ride to and from aruba on the plane gotcha uh, But, no, it was a lot of fun. Uh, He hired – this is all a new experience for me, just, like, people putting a lot of effort to this sort of thing. Um, He hired uh, my friend, uh, one of the co-hosts of the other podcast, uh, Binyam. uh, He hired, like, some photographers, and they had, like, drones capabilities. He hired
0: a team of (laughs) photographers to document his (laughs) 40-year-old birthday with his boys.
2: Yes, during the four hours we had uh, access to the yacht.
0: This person uh, is a fucking pharmacist, <laughs> as I recall. That's right. Who dabbles in real estate.
2: Yes, that's also true. What? <laughs> <laughs> oh,
3: I got to come the-
0: on this fucking show of yours, Abe. I got to go on the biffler. I'm to ruin everything that uh, these guys think about themselves. Jesus Christ.
2: But anyways, yeah, very healthy uh, self-esteem. Uh, and so, like, you know, there's a lot of commands. Do this. Like, one, one command that I can never understand. Everybody, by the way, whatever photographers say, with my limited knowledge of this, people just do. They'll tell you to just smile. And you you just like, okay, I guess I'm going to smile. Like, look at each other. That was one of the commands. We're looking at each other. Like, okay. Like, whatever they say. How long was, were
0: the photographers on hand?
2: The, the whole thing. The whole four hours and were they these came like back locals
0: did he find somebody do this for like fifteen yeah, dollars or did he spend locals. like fucking twenty five hundred goddamn dollars on this thing
2: it it was a two-man operation with two women uh and they both had like different types of cameras and they would they were again they were at the yacht thing for the full four hour or most of the stay actually it wasn't all four hours and then they came back for the dinner portion and they told us: Are to do we sure things. that
0: this wasn't just a ploy by like his old lady <laughs> to make sure that everything was fully documented and he didn't get himself into any trouble?
2: Perhaps maybe, but yeah, it was a lot of that, just, hey, look at each other and say something funny and make a goofy face and
0: I couldn't anyways. have relaxed for the entire time. It would have literally ruined my entire vacation. <laughs> For there to be. Like, it's bad enough when someone takes out their phone to take a picture of whatever's going on. And it's like, oh, so this nice natural thing that's happening now has to become awkward, is what you're telling me. Because that's what happens to me. Things go from being, ah, normal human interaction to, oh, everybody, look at this fucking thing over here. And see, we're going to document this for the future. Like, ah, why? You could just not... Or if you want to, go ahead, but, like, don't involve me. Like, take the picture, fine.
1: Or, like, just do it real quick. Yes. Like, hey, let me take a picture. Okay. But, like, it's, it's like, if it's more than three people, it's awkward. Yeah. Yeah,
2: and there were. Like, that's...
1: Like, Julia did it to me. Like, we were at Kennedy Center. She was like, let's take a picture. I was like, all right. One. And then it was over. Yeah, there
2: there was... I don't know how this has derailed
0: everything. I have no idea how to even (laughs) contemplate life any longer. This is is insane.
2: (laughs) With like, you are an outlier uh, case because like everybody was like, I was like the least into it, and I was like, ah, you know, whatever, let's do it. I was like the whole like, but everybody else was really into it. They were actually taking their own pictures and they were offering up advice to the people, like maybe we should do this. Like it was a lot. Yeah, there was no like, oh, are we done with? It's a
1: cultural thing too.
2: And apparently, it takes like a week to make all of this. So, what they're gonna do is uh, this will—I'm uh, sure you'll enjoy this. Not only are they gonna do uh, just a bunch of, you know, th- they'll make a selection of the right pictures and send it yes. in the package. And they'll—I'm they'll, like,
0: sure they'll touch them up and they'll edit them properly and make sure everybody looks good. Yeah.
2: But, but apparently, I'm I'm told that there's also a video component. They're gonna do like a flashy, like nice. three four minute. Of like, ah, oh, this was the weekend and some sort of music in the Right. Background. With some
0: fucking like uh some non-DRM like Google Photos yeah. music so, track behind it. Yeah.
2: That's
0: right. A fucking nightmare world we live in. And everyone's gonna post it to their fucking social media, yes. I'm sure.
2: Uh, yes. I can eat I on this. This uh, is humiliating.
0: Point. This should be humiliating for this guy.
2: Quite the opposite. <laughs> By the way, this was my first experience because I've I've actually never used...
0: Binyam, you're not Jay-Z, bro. I'm sorry. I'm not sure we've ever met, but I know one thing is for certain. You're a pharmacist living in Maryland with two
2: children. And and the real estate thing, let's not forget. Uh, And, yeah, both... You uh, let
0: Mike be your life coach one time, man.
1: I don't think he listens.
0: No, he doesn't listen. Okay, I will direct him to the segment though. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> I am unmoored. Uh,
2: but again, a lot of fun was had. They were into it. Uh the one weird thing about uh, Aruba though is uh like they don't ask you for Id- like there was not one point uh where anybody asked. I mean, maybe you were just very old and I accept you that are old. and like
0: Right, you're very adult and, looking.
2: But I'm looking around, and, and like they have different rules about ages because the, at the bars there are a bunch of like high school kids, and not like sneaking in kind of yeah. either. They're just like
1: it's different. It's
2: whatever. It's Just a different way of doing things. And uh, we went on like some. ATV kind of thing that. Uh,
0: I mean, surely, so, first of all, it's surely like, oh, uh, will we take the tourists' money or not? The answer yeah. is always yeah. yes, we will well, take the tourists' but money. But in
2: other places, they would at least pretend to care about, oh, like, we need to see your ID
0: and right. what We're do you all want. Old. And, yeah, but not yeah. the not the teens going into right. the bar.
2: But. Yeah, they didn't check anybody's. I, I was looking to make sure, of, to see if, if it was just us. But it wasn't just us. It was everybody. Did you but, try to uh,
0: chat up any of the teenagers who were getting no. drunk at the bar? To, how dare no. you? To, to ask them, <laughs> hey, what, 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 what's the deal here with no, no IDs, huh? Y- youths? <laughs> Tell me how you feel about that.
2: Uh, I we I don't think we interacted once with the kids. they just it was very weird. Oh, certainly to
0: to not docu- as certainly not as documented by the professional photographers. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> For an extra fifty bucks, know when to look away.
2: <laughs> well, this uh, little island, uh, this uh, Aruba, they were very proud of the fact that they have uh, like a low crime rate. They're like, oh, we're the safest of the islands. They kept on repeating it. Uh, our tour guide during our ATV uh, highlighted just how safe it is. He was like, oh, this past year we. Only had three murders in the whole island, okay. right? And he didn't say this, so just to be fair, he didn't say this, but the implication was that those three deserved it. <laughs> like, it was like, it might as well be zero, like zero worthy, mur- you know, right. it, was, it was everything else. But like, they're very big on that. They had like some police officer, the only person who died in the line of duty, and they made a statue of him, which I thought was interesting because. There, there's too many of that here that wouldn't be able to have statues of everybody that gets killed. Right. Uh, but th- nobody lives in this island. It's like 100,000 people. It's like, all right, relax. You're so like spread apart. You don't have the opportunities to murder people because you're not <laughs> on top of each other. It's not like a good comparison. Yeah.
0: Uh, that sounds like a fun trip, I guess, except yes. for the...
1: The one-off. Except for the photos?
0: Yeah.
2: yeah.
1: <laughs> and it's How does it compare just... to your trip, Bob?
2: <laughs> just real quick on this Aruba thing. The one... Uh, an, criticism I do have for Aruba, they have the most absurd exit process. Like, in order for you to, you know, when coming into Aruba, it's like going to any foreign country. You land, you go through some stupid customs thing, and you're uh, on your way. Right. On the way back, uh, and we were told ahead of time, uh, go there three hours in advance, and not like bullshit three hours, where you show up like 90 minutes yeah. before. Actually, three hours. And you find out why, when you get there, You, if you're checking your bag, so just real quick, the process to checking your bag is that you check it in once. They'll tell you it'll go through halfway through the process. You have to pick it up halfway through your getting into the airport, right? And then check it in a second time. So you have to check in a bag twice. You have to go through their version of TSA twice. What is the
0: – What is the? do you know what the idea is? It, like the what, best what,
2: can, they They could not explain it to me because it doesn't make sense. The best I can – think of is at the airport it a- 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 was, like, a- a-
0: was like hold on guy listen i work for one of the greatest bureaucracies in the history of mankind i've got to know this must be so fucking good in terms of just paperwork and absurd rules you've got to tell me the secret and the guy wouldn't give it up huh? that yeah, sucks
2: they would not give it up because i don't think there's a good it's just so convoluted but anyways so you go through a tsa screening process twice on separate occasions on the same like I'm still trying to get to my gate. Like you're still trying to get to the gate. And then you have to go through and this is the weirdest thing, you have to go through the US customs twice in Aruba. Like because they say, Oh, we we're doing all the trouble on this end, so when you land in Atlanta, you could you're just like a domestic flight basically. You can just and it's like what? Like just
1: I'd wanna water- do it in America though. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's like why didn't I just do it over they there? Like but right. get
0: me, get me home, get me yeah. onto home turf. If we're gonna it do is this, that's fine.
2: The weirdest process. There were some uh, people in my in the line from the Carolinas or from Charlotte or something, and I guess nobody told them this, and they were like sweating it out because they had like a three o'clock flight and it was like two forty, uh, and they're like, "Oh, you'll make it," and I think they did. Uh, i wonder what that's
0: that's about i I wish you'd done more research into this abe now i'm i'm wanting more information not less
2: yeah anyway that was a trip
0: oh good sounds like sounds like a lot of fun uh i went to denver for like over a week and if my brother andrew's bachelor party was why i was in denver had hired a professional photographer to document the bachelor party shenanigans, which obviously is not generally something one would do, given the nature of, or at least the the sort of cultural understanding of what a bachelor party is or certainly can be. Uh, and we didn't do any of the gross stuff, to be clear. Literally, I, it was just a, I would describe this as a, the bachelor party of a very excited 12-year-old boy who has yet <laughs> really to understand much about girls. Uh, like, there's like Not not your horns up uh, right. Like 12-year-old boy girls. of today, uh, the, of the youths of today who are on the YouTube and the porn hubs and whatnot all the time, but like the, the, an innocent 12-year-old boy. like We did go-karts. We went to oh, a nice. baseball game. We just sort of hung out and played silly games. We played Yahtzee, for example, as a group. Uh, all eight of us played a thrilling round of Yahtzee. Is what we did at this bachelor party. But even if all of these childish and and fun and innocent activities uh, were what was going to be documented by the professional photography crew, I would have said, I'm just staying home. I will not be participating in this event. I do not want a music video of our time together here in Denver, you fucking maniac.
2: What you're saying is that you would rather be surprised, because that's what's gonna happen. Like just like, on <laughs> <guess> notice. So.
0: <laughs> Denver was great though. Uh, and we were I was there, like I said, went to a Rockies game. I uh, saw some really great fireworks. Apparently the best fireworks show in Denver is the is the Rockies game fireworks, and we saw that.
2: Uh, Did they always have a, make sure to have a home game? On the 4th every time? I don't know,
0: because we didn't even go. This wasn't on the 4th. This was on the Saturday before the 4th. So I assume that they just do their big fireworks show at whatever home game is conveniently located near the 4th. But that was fun. Uh, Mile High Stadium up there or Coors Field, it is, in fact, a Mile High. Of course, it's not. We didn't see a game at Mile High Stadium. Forgive me. I don't even know if Mile High Stadium is still a thing. Do they still call it that?
2: Don't they have, like, uh, some weird naming format? Something, something at Investor Field that's also at my Yeah, Mile I High? think it's like that.
1: So. Yeah.
0: Anyway, uh, really nice, despite the fact that it was opened when the Rockies were invented in, like, 1993 or whatever. So one wow, of baseball's great, oldest stadiums, but still looks great and uh, is a, a beautiful stadium. And you can see over the outfield there, out into the mountains, and it's... It was a lot of fun and I didn't shout any racial slurs at their at their mascot, which was was
2: the mascot there? The
0: it was up? yeah, he was right there. I mean we we had great seats. We were like fifteen rows back in the lower in the lower bowl right behind the Rockies dugout. So we saw uh Dinger, Dinger. Uh, many, many it's times like throughout
2: head. Yes.
0: Yeah, Dinger, to be clear. Uh sold out stadium. It was like fifty two thousand people there. Uh, they they packed that place. It was great.
2: On the strength of the uh, fireworks show, or do, is that strictly the, because
0: them? of the fireworks, the Rockies stink, and they were playing the Tigers, who also stink. So it was just, just for the fireworks. But it was, it was fun nonetheless. The lady, uh, middle-aged, older lady sitting next to me. I got to stop calling middle-aged people old. I guess given uh, my current situation, but she was, <laughs> she was older than me. Uh, she Slightly. cried during like I forget which part of the fireworks show, but it was some moment. Uh, wherein America was being lauded in song, and she got very uh, misty-eyed and had to had to daub her eyes with a with a napkin.
2: Not not you though. No, I him. was
0: stoic in the face of <laughs> these sorts of patriotic displays. Uh, but yeah, it was great. A really fun trip. The sun in Denver is intense. It was like uh, on the fourth itself. It was like ninety three degrees, and it. it You'd think, because it's fairly dry heat out there, uh, but because the air... will kill you. The air is so thin. The sun feels like it's... like You look up and it just feels like it's right fucking there. And any short amount of time spent... There's
1: no atmosphere. ...in
0: the direct sun, it like... Yeah, it's like sitting on a hot plate or something. It's very unpleasant. Uh, But yeah, just stay out of the sun and it's great. It's a a really cool city and a beautiful part of the country.
2: Wasn't it... uh... Unusually hot. I was uh, in Aruba, where it's always hot, but like when I came back, uh, just on the at the airport, they're saying some sort of record heat thing we hit uh, during the past. Few I, days. They
1: say that
0: it was it the hottest
1: feels July hot.
0: It was the hottest July fourth in history. I think is what I saw in the news over and over again. And then you you look at it and it's like, well, since nineteen seventy nine, <laughs> since. <laughs> Since we've been keeping really good records, it's, it's like,
3: just like, you know what a fucking July. idiot
0: you have to be to believe that this was the hottest July 4th in the history of Earth? Uh-huh. like, And there were dozens of news articles about this, and uh, just as many then rebuttals to those news articles pointing out how absurd that is. Uh, but no, it was hot. It was hot in terms of our uh, recent past, but the idea that uh, because of climate change, it was the hottest— 4th of July ever is just ridiculous. Uh, but that's not what we're here to talk about, I don't think. I do want to sort of, in the context of this bachelor party, so we had a great time. It was me, my
1: talk some shit
0: brother, Andrew is the one who's getting married, and then my other brothers, uh, Jesse and Chris, were there because, we, of course, we stayed at Chris's place in Denver. We kicked the old lady and the kids out for the weekend. Uh, they went to stay at the sister's place across town. So that the boys could have the run of the house. And then four of Andrew's friends, the four dudes who were in the wedding party, and this was uh, Brendan, Mike, Nick, and Eric, uh, were there as well. So there's eight of us all living some in this house. Some of whom
1: you know from poker.
0: Yeah, some oh. of whom you've actually you've played against. I think all of them, in fact. No, uh,
1: I think just Eric and Brendan.
0: No, because Nick played, I think, in one Maybe of the Nick very once. early poker games as well. Okay. Uh, but anyway... Uh, You wouldn't remember them uh, regardless. But all good dudes. Uh, Mike is the only one, I think, who didn't join us for any of uh, the the pokering fun. I was wondering, uh, in light of both this Brian Johnson goober and also my own sort of reluctance to party in the way that these guys at the bachelor party were partying. Now, I mentioned that it was like a 12-year-old's idea of a really great time and i
1: a drunk 12 year right. old
0: you have to yeah so t- but you so, uh, that's trying to suggest the chasteness of the activities so yeah. were, we didn't go to the strip club we didn't there were no hired women who came in uh with poles or that whatever is to say
1: there were no women
0: other accoutrement uh, were they were might no travel women. with
1: do you think uh women of
2: that sort uh bring a pole to that to whatever home?
0: I'm sure that you can get them to bring a pole. What uh, if you're having them to your house? Uh how many people have a pole installed themselves?
2: <laughs> but do other things. How do hey, you know like, the layout of the house? Your skepticism here I
0: think is hiding a certain knowledge of how these things usually go down. I'm not sure I believe uh the skepticism put on display here
2: taking a wild guess. I am bringing bulls.
0: <laughs> I won't be googling this, to be clear. So I'll leave it to uh, the listeners to do that. But uh, a chaste, but extremely drunken yes. uh, bachelor party. The the drinks were free flowing and and constant and early. The drinking started. I mean, the drinking started as soon as we got there. But like the the bachelor party proper sort of started first thing Friday morning. With the arrival of Eric, who was the last to arrive. And it was funny because, like, first of all, everybody – like, I got there Wednesday. Jesse got there Wednesday. So it was just nice sort of family stuff on Wednesday. And then on Thursday, uh, Brendan gets there about midday. And he's, like, Andrew's best friend from college. Uh, So – It's nice to have Brendan there, and we go out to dinner, and we have some drinks. We go to this arcade uh, next door, have some more drinks, then go home, and there's more drinks at home. Uh, And all along, we're expecting Nick and Mike to show up at some point, but their flight is delayed. There are problems with uh, – United had some issues with their uh, getting flights off the ground because they had some union problems or something like that. I don't remember exactly. I didn't read much news uh, while all this was going on. But long story short, they're supposed to be there like uh, in the late evening. They don't end up getting in until 2 in the morning when uh, ev- everyone's fucking passed out already. <laughs> yeah. So uh, they're like banging on the garage door and trying to get into this house in my brother's like uh, rich, like Tony neighborhood that he lives in, uh, which I... No neighbors were alerted and the cops never showed up. So I guess everything was cool. But somebody eventually gets up and lets them in. So anyway, that's seven of us. And then by about 10 o'clock or so in the morning, Eric finally arrives to make us a full party of eight. And uh, as soon as Eric walks in the door, things go from like still adjusting to the transition from uh, last night to this morning to like, oh, fuck, fucking party's on. This is
1: Eric, who we love, who at... Catherine's wedding had to go to the hospital well, almost because died. he drank oh, so much. Yes. Wow. He, he,
0: very nearly, he <laughs> wow. could have died uh, with the amount of alcohol that he drank at Catherine's wedding. <laughs> uh, wonderful. Fun, great human being. Who uh, we
1: love, who I we said. Love. Yeah, and his girlfriend, who's great. <coughs> yeah, she there, seems cool. but She's great. So
2: drinking uh, at 10 a.m. is like a college football Saturday type of day.
1: Yes, right, it's meant so the, to be done once a week right, for yes. twelve weeks.
0: Right. This was this was like mimosas started at ten AM and the mimosas,
1: mimosas, you ladies.
0: I didn't have one. <laughs> oh. Uh, out of principle? <laughs> no, I'm just I can't start drinking at ten in the morning. I couldn't do that when I was fucking twenty five. I can't do it now at forty. Are you out of your goddamn mind? I wanted to be alive through this entire thing. Uh but anyway, the mimosa's come out before the mimosas are gone and like mimosas go quick. But before they're gone, they've migrated to the garage for uh beer pong and this other thing called like rage cage, I think is the name of it. Never seen it before. You you take the beer pong table and instead you just make like a nest of like I don't know how many cups, but it was like tw- it seemed like it was 25 cups. And each of the cups and it's like a fucking hexagon of cups or a circle of cups okay. on the, on the table. Each of the cups, just like in beer pong is filled up with a th- like a third full of a beer or what have you, uh, maybe a quarter full of a beer. And and then uh, the center cup, forgive me, is, is completely full. That's the cup of death. And so if you're doing this uh, like at a college or something at a, at a frat party, probably the cup of death is obnoxiously filled with like, Fucking vodka yes. or tequila or something, but All in this great. case it's yeah. it's just a full beer, okay. right? And I imagine you can play this game with shots of vodka or bourbon or whatever if you really want to fucking die. Uh, but they they just fortunately played it with uh, cold Coors Light, as as the boys like to say. Uh, make sure you get the one out of the cooler with the cold blue mountains on it, or else it's being returned.
1: I mean, when in Denver,
0: yeah. Anyway, so you you fill all of these 25 cups with a little bit of beer, and then uh, you stand around the table in a circle. And I know this because I observed it. I did not participate, right? No. 10 o'clock in the morning. This is not how I'm starting my day.
2: (laughs) What's a good time for
0: this game, Bob? (laughs) There is no good time for this game.
1: No, 11 at night. There is a good time for this game, and it's at night.
0: But notably, you cannot play this game at 11 at night if you started your day by playing this game. (laughs) It's literally physically impossible. But the idea is that you stand in a circle. So there's seven dudes standing around the circle at the table. Okay,
1: seven dudes standing around in a circle.
0: Yeah. Okay. Uh, And... Two ping pong balls. And so okay. you, you put the ping pong ball in one guy's hand and then the guy uh, behind him in the circle also has a ping pong ball. And you have to bounce it off the table into a cup. Okay. And when you bounce it off the table into a cup, you slide the cup uh, to your left. right. And so basically if the cup behind you catches up to you, then you have to drink. That's okay. the idea. Yeah. If the cup behind you uh, gets to you. You have to stack it, and then you have to drink. And then once you finally sink a ball, then you move it on to the next guy. Gotcha. That sort of thing. Uh, and so you just keep going around and around the table. And eventually you get down to just the cup of death, and somebody gets forced to. And like, there's not. It's not clear to me how there's a winner. I think it's just fucking. Everybody has to drink a lot, and your your goal is to drink as little as possible. Okay, uh, so it's
2: more of a journey game and not a destination
0: game. Like... Right, absolutely. Uh, anyway, they play this, and Jesse and Jesse, who's the youngest of the crew, ends up like losing badly. Like, there's no loser, but he has to drink the a third or something of yeah. the drinks that have to be drunk throughout this entire process, including the the last one. Anyway, it looks like fun, but. I I cannot participate in it. Not because I'm above it, not because I think of myself as 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 superior to the goings on, but literally because I know that I will need a nap. I will feel bad for the rest of the day. I will not be around for whatever other fun activities like and even if I am around, I won't be pleasant. Like I I can get drunk, and people like to interact with me when I'm drunk. I think I'm a pretty good, fun person to talk to when once I'm I've been drinking. I'm
1: not one of
0: those people. No, no Lori's not that way. <laughs> but not if it's going on from 10 in the morning until 2 in the morning. Right. Uh, I, I can drink... After you put the kids to bed and start at like 8.30 or so, you start drinking, you have a really good drunk on by midnight, and then I start making bad decisions where I just keep drinking more, you know, Uh, 2.30 or 3. It's like, ah, this was terrible. Uh, But I'm not going to be able to do it. I can't space it out like that I don't I know myself, and I know I can't do that, but the feeling that I get and the judgment that comes back to me as a result of not participating in this now this is minimal, and it's Correct. largely uh just my brother Chris, who's given me shit about this, <laughs> as you can imagine yeah. as you as you knowingly smile there some four hundred miles away uh but like. I understand where he's coming from to some extent, right? Which is like, there do is... Do the
1: thing I want you to do. <clears throat> I want the thing, no, not... and I get the thing I want. I... You have to do the thing I want, I... or you're mean.
0: I'm not trying to shit on Chris here. That's not my goal. That's what Laurie was doing there. It's not what I'm getting at. What I'm saying is that anytime time one displays something of an ascetic sort of withholding, right? Uh, I, I remember when I first started not drinking soda and eating pizza at Domino's when I was trying not to die. Uh, I quit smoking, I stopped eating uh, pizza at the store cuz like one of the ways to guarantee that you're a fat ass even if it even if you're not really doing too bad a job of taking care of yourself is to work at a pizza place and there's just always fucking pizza lying around there's a there's a somebody made some food to eat or there's orders that didn't get picked up or deliveries that couldn't be made so there's fucking a hundred dollars worth of food just sitting on the heat rack and you know you don't really have time to prepare yourself a nice meal so you just throughout the night you're grabbing a slice of pizza or a couple slices of pizza and you don't even think about it. It's like, Oh, going out on delivery, better grab a slice of this fucking pizza that's sitting here. Uh, and so in order to combat that, I'm not a person who can be like, Oh, I'll just, I'll just have one slice of pizza yeah. per night. It's the same thing with the cigarette problem, which is I had a cigarette literally every time I got in the car. So like, that's how you smoke 30 fucking cigarettes a day when you're a pizza delivery boy, is that you just have a cigarette every time you get in the car. I don't have the ability to just say, oh, no, I'll just have a cigarette after work, and maybe I'll have one after dinner, and that'll be the cigarettes that I have today. I'll just have two. Like now, yeah. uh, Willy Wonka style, you can't do just two. I can't figure out just two. I have to do all of the available cigarettes. And it's the same sort of thing with pizza where or or whatever it is. It doesn't have to be pizza. I can't just have a, a diet. I mean, actually, at this point in my life, I sort of do just have a Diet Coke once a month or something like that. Uh, but when I'm going from something that I have made a habit of to something that I don't want to have a habit of any longer, I have to cut it out completely. right? So I stopped eating the junk food basically entirely. Uh, and stopped drinking soda entirely and stopped smoking cigarettes entirely uh, because I can't figure out uh, my brain, my body, I don't know what it is. I can't n- do it only halfway. The judgment that I got in response to that from certain kinds of people is that I was somehow being like a haughty superior asshole looking down upon all of the all of the slobs in the world who continued to indulge in a way that I now disapproved of. Right. Right. That's not the attitude that I want to convey. My question is, is it an inevitability? Is the the act of withholding? Uh, for oneself, for one's own benefit, in the face of a culture or a situation or a party, uh, like a bachelor party, that is demanding a certain set of behaviors out of you all of the time, is the common man always going to react negatively to someone who is attempting uh, this sort of self-improvement?
2: Right. My, my experience of it uh, is that this is not true uh, of every example, basically it has to be some a- activity or, or habit that people have some misgiving about, even if it's unspoken. Like they have some misgiving about the drinking uh, or the eating the shitty food or the smoking, right? Like it has to be that component. And there's a comfort people get when other people are doing the same sort of thing that you kind of have some misgivings about. And so when somebody stops doing it, like some like some peer of yours, you're like, huh? Oh. This fucking asshole. Like, like, you know, there's all these different emotions about it. It's like, you know, I mean, I wish I could do that, and I'm not doing that. And by him doing it or her doing it, it kind of brings it to the fore. Like, this is – what do I think of this, Right. And so they're like, oh, don't, "Don't be a fucking dick. Just do the thing, so I can stop right. thinking about it." You know. Well, so. I
0: remember I would meet up with you guys after work. Like I would work, I'd be delivering pizzas on a Friday night until three in the morning or whatever, and then either pick you up or just meet you guys back at the at the townhouse in Athens. There, you guys be fucking wasted. You guys and
1: being important note, Abe and I. And fucking Chris Howard. Right. right. Yes. Just important note. Yeah.
0: I don't know why that's important, but you guys would be fucking wasted. I'd be getting home from work and it wasn't just Chris. Abe would also be ah, what's, the fu- what's the fucking wrong with you, Bob, you piece of shit? Like, yes, <laughs> there's a right. little bit of that that happens when you're the sober guy who shows up to all the fucking drunk slobs around. And I wouldn't like, to me, like, I have no moral, and I can say it, and this is something that I've said for a long time, right? Is I say, I'm not the one making the judgment. Whenever I I, I, I give somebody the raised eyebrow, right? and The, the raised eyebrow isn't doing any judgment. Right. The The person on the receiving end of the raised eyebrow is is doing all of the work in terms of what they think is going on in my head, right? I need to do no judgment whatsoever. Just the, the fact of being an observer, right. right, Is what creates the space in the other person's head for the judgment to take place. And no amount of convincing on my end is going to convince them that judgment is not taking place because as you're saying, the judgment is happening, uh, in the person uh, who believes they are being judged but also
2: like you not doing the thing that you've done with this group uh first judgment and then that's the eyebrow thing just confirms <laughs> oh that's fucking schmuck and now they're denying that they're doing the thing that they're clearly doing how so dare this
0: <laughs> the eyebrow is all powerful uh <laughs> it's uh it's similar to and this is kind of out of left field uh I don't know if you saw the Barbie movie or not. Does that come out? Even I don't think it it's come out. It hasn't come
2: out yet. Although I think it's this with weekend. all this stupid online this blitz of advertising. a lot of hype
0: about the Barbie movie. Yeah, yeah.
2: I mean, the story, I don't know how the story they're going to make the story work, but like apparently it's like semi decent. But uh, yeah, it's no, I'm not. I'm sure. Out
0: like, whatever. Like I don't, I don't even care. I'm sure it'll be fine. Uh, but all this hype around it and talking about like how they because uh, it it made me think about what. Do I think about the character of Barbie and Ken? And I realized I've never thought about the characters of Barbie and Ken. I, I have no idea what it is we're meant to even believe goes on in the inner lives of those dolls. And I don't mean that in like a in a in a way like oh, I never played with those dolls. Like I think it's largely a, a function of that I didn't ever play with those dolls, right. but also. Is there, was there something that those dolls were trying to communicate? Uh, Was there an active message beyond just the, because of course we're supposed to believe that the physical shape of the dolls uh, reinforced negative uh, stereotypes or, 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 or set unreasonable expectations about the way that uh, beauty is in this country or, or the, you know, aspirational uh, thing for girls. Uh, And I, I sort of believe all of that to some extent, but in terms of like, uh, this character's inner mindset because they're right. talking about like the, the inner life of Ken and apparently Ryan Gosling gives a Oscar worthy performance yes. <laughs> according to some of the early I'm, reviews. I'd love Which, to see it. Yeah. Which by the way, anytime these movies go out to sort of the rabble of critics, not like your major newspaper critics, yeah. but like the 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 movie blogosphere, like the the film Twitter or what have you, you always get these like Slobbering reviews about uh, whatever the movie is if you 've connected it to the right fan base, right so if right. they uh, it 's not to say that the movie won't actually be good, but the idea that like Ryan Gosling deserves an Oscar for his portrayal of Ken on its face seems pretty <laughs> fucking ridiculous, right uh, <clears throat> but like how much of what we imagine the inner lives of the fucking Ken doll and and Barbie doll to be? is just a projection of uh, our own inner psychological state versus what Mattel wants us uh, to believe is the like d- did Mattel have some sort of an agenda for what they wanted these characters to be because to me they've always just been basically entirely blank slates yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know why I'm connecting the two the two well, thoughts you, in my head you know what's interesting
2: until I I don't know when the first like when the first time was when I heard that it was gonna be a Barbie movie, like I don't know if it was a year ago, maybe longer than that. But yeah. be, before the first trailer came out, there was a hey, talk: this person is doing a uh, Barbie movie. It's gonna, it's attached to Margot Robbie and Greta Gerwig and this uh, Ken guy. Uh, and up until then, I didn't think there was a, some backstory to Barbie. I just thought it was just like, like you say, like a, a clean slate. It's just like, ah. Oh, it's, you know, idealized beauty, maybe incorrectly so. Uh, and that's that. Just sell the stupid shit and let's roll. Right, this isn't
0: the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Like, they don't right. have personalities, right. do they? And like, like, I don't a know. a
2: tune of Barbie. I, again, I'm not that familiar with Barbies. I, like you, I've never played with a Barbie or a Ken uh, or actually any dolls. Uh, but that's besides the point. Uh, the, <laughs> the lady does protest it, too much, is I think. A point. Just to clarify, I mean, like, even like the boy dolls, like the, the, the GI, I, I just didn't play with.
0: I didn't have dolls either. I hated, like, fucking playing pretend with dolls. It never appealed to me whatsoever. The one and exception,
2: I the did writer, have some pro the writer wrestling. writer
1: hated playing pretend.
0: Like, like you, action, had, you had fucking
2: a- action, wrestling Action, <laughs> dolls. action figures. Yeah, well, I mean, it happened <laughs> to be there. I, anyways. Uh, but again, I. It like, happened there,
0: to be there. <laughs> uh, I'll bet this was like late-era Stone Cold Steve Austin and you were like 17 years old.
2: How dare you? This was when I was much younger than that. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know what the story is going to be. Like It seems like it, it, if it turns out that they just took some pre-existing story and they repackaged it or redid some aspects of it and applied it to this Barbie, this known product – uh, and made a movie out of it. I wouldn't be surprised because, like, what y- you can go in any direction. There's no, there's no like plot, even simple. Right. Plot so you mean
0: of, you of, mean like a, 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 not a previous Barbie story, no, but just no, some it, other narrative that some some, some yeah. screenplay somebody else had written. You're like, right. oh, this could work as a Barbie thing, right? Yeah. Which
2: is what I I believe. What the, one of the diehards, from what I remember reading, they said that there was a a, a script about some. You know,
0: die Hard 3. Uh, yeah. with a Die Hard with a Vengeance was not a Die Hard movie. And right. then they adapted it to a Die Hard movie. Right. Yeah.
2: Because, you know, with this Barbie thing, I, I just don't know how you would be surprised by any direction. I mean, I guess if they did like a South Park kind of treatment, like they made fun of the whole thing, that would be surprising. But other than that, I don't know how you could be surprised by any direction they go with. Because I don't know anything about these two characters.
0: Yeah, Lori, you have no insight here, right? You were not a... Uh... Um,
1: I don't have insight except that any fandom has a backstory that, especially back in the pre-internet era, most people weren't aware of, except for the people who were super into it.
0: Well, yeah, but, like, G.I. Joe's has No, 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 a story. I know. My Little Pony, the, the Care Bears, they all have, like... Yes.
1: There may have been a niche Barbie culture. I I just, I don't know, but it wouldn't surprise me at all if there were a handful of cartoons. Because there were cartoons. I've seen Barbie cartoons. Not recent. In the 80s. They existed. I didn't know them. So, you know... Right.
0: I don't know. Uh, to me, like, Miss m- Piggy has an identifiable attitude and, and character yeah. for the last 30 years. I'm just saying years. it's
1: possible it exists for the Barbie universe.
0: No, right. I guess it's possible, and I could it's possible. plausibly look into it, but I almost certainly will not. Yeah, my good luck. Google News Feed is a disaster as it is. I don't need any, <laughs> any like, Barbie lore populating my Google yeah, News Feed I, from I now I think on. there
1: may be that.
2: Okay,
0: I don't know. Anyway, the point stands better if there is not, in fact, Barbie lore, uh, which is like there's a lot of we do a lot of work ourselves in projecting our own insecurities and and narcissisms and uh, and resentments onto the world around us. Right. Uh, Yeah. uh, uh, For the record, I felt no uh, superiority or superiorness to uh, the fine gentlemen in my bachelor party party, it was it was just a, a grand old time. I mean, we don't have to go name by name describing these dudes. All good dudes, uh, dudes that my brother Andrew certainly doesn't deserve uh, as as oh, friends. Oh,
1: Andrew's great. Uh, <laughs> Andrew is your only brother who listens to the podcast.
0: Yeah, <laughs> Andrew. Jesus Christ, Andrew turned out all right, actually, as my mother likes to say. Uh, but
1: no, Andrew ter- actually turned out to be a very good person
0: yes the actually is what makes it uh, particularly amusing uh, as though some expectations had been vastly exceeded <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, but i guess that's how it goes when you've had fucking four of them at that point it's like ah, uh, uh, who knows how this one's going to turn out but yeah good dudes mike I, he he went he played soccer at fucking Penn State and he promised that he was going to start listening to the show so uh fucking oh, welcome oh, new listener Mike Look at that uh, Brendan is Sorry an obviously to have great the dude.
1: first episode you listen to being talking shit about you yeah, I'm
0: not talking shit. I said he was great. He played. He's a legit uh, uh college athlete.
1: He edited out the talking shit part. Yeah.
0: I didn't I didn't know such thing. <laughs> and Nick this guy Nick is one of you know, you meet people and you're not sure if they're way dumber than they seem or way smarter than they seem. <laughs> and like they, they ride that fine line of like, you know, that there's something else going on, but yeah. you're not quite sure if if it's like uh, a deep and clever uh, bit like a like a like a skit that they're doing constantly, uh, like a hiding a, a vastly superior intelligence just beyond your reach, or if they're secretly just a super <laughs> dummy, because <laughs> he does dummy really really well. Uh, he he plays it very convincingly. Uh,
3: Andrew
1: wouldn't be friends with dummies. No,
0: I know. I'm just kidding. He's uh he. I he, know,
1: but that's your only context clue.
0: Yeah. No, he's a good guy. Fun, fun, fun group. Uh, a lot of fun, and Andrew doesn't deserve them. And I can't wait to see them all uh, in a few months for the uh, wedding. Yeah. It'll be fun. Uh, let's see what else can we talk about here tonight, Abe. The Supreme Court got busy uh, around the holiday.
1: Remember when you were like, "It'll be fun to have a chat." And then I started playing a game because I knew that it wouldn't.
0: This is a fun chat we've had so far. Yeah, that
1: was. And now you're going to start talking about the Supreme Court. This will
0: go quickly, I think. just
1: case in point. That's all.
0: Gabe, I'm sure that you've heard uh, in the context of these last few years uh, with uh, Mitch McConnell, the dastardly Republican fiend, stealing that uh, Supreme Court seat from Barack Obama when Antonin Scalia died or perhaps was murdered. (laughs) Uh had, so yeah, some sort of vacation ranch or something in Texas, yeah. I think.
2: Some sort of pillow suffocation. That's that why
0: person. if you go to one of these fucking fancy getaway vacation places, you always hire photographers who are there at yeah. all times to that document
1: sorry. any
0: goings-on. Note that none of the Biffler crew came exactly. back from Aruba murdered. They all survived. Uh Anyway, uh since McConnell sort of sat on that seat and uh, handed it over to Donald Trump, and that ends up becoming the Gorsuch seat on the court, and then, of course, uh, not that long later, they somehow convince Anthony Kennedy that it's time to retire, and so he gets to replace that one as well. And then just before the election in – when did she die? October. I think she died. Maybe September? I
2: think it was like – yeah, maybe uh... – August or September, I don't think it was October, but it was pretty close to the election.
0: It was very, very late in the cycle. I think it was the fastest Supreme Court seat filled in, certainly in the modern history of the court, uh, going back to the last century or or so. Uh, I think it only took about six weeks for RBG's seat to be filled by uh, that, uh, what's her name, the Catholic, not Catholic, the the quiverful lady. Um, From
2: Notre Dame, right?
0: Yeah, what's her name, though?
1: Ruth uh, and Amy Coney Barrett.
0: Amy Coney Barrett. Very good, Laura. So there we go. We got uh, Gorsuch replacing Scalia. And then we have uh, Kavanaugh, uh, great fanfare, (laughs) you might call it, replacing uh, Kennedy. And then uh, RBG, who should have retired in 2011 or so, ends up replaced by Amy Coney Barrett. And we have what appears to be a a near-permanent... Supreme Court majority for the conservatives of 6 to 3 and this has been framed uh, many times over the last couple of years as uh, a court that is entirely political now it is it is uh, just all of all of the uh, judges up and down the federal system actually are now discussed strictly in terms of Who appointed them? Anytime you read about a a federal judge who issues some ruling on one thing or another, within the first two or three paragraphs of the story, you will discover, uh, it will be told to you by the news report, uh, who appointed them. So if it was a Trump-appointed judge, that will be given as context either for— Oh, well, you understand why this awful conservative thing happened, because this is a Trump-appointed judge. Or, right. in the event that it like goes against perceived conservative interests, it will be noted as a, look at this weird outlier, Trump-appointed judge says that, uh, in this one case, uh, the conservative thing is bad, in fact. Uh, or anytime you're uh, reading about it, uh, you, you always find an Obama appointed judge or a Bush appointed right. judge or a Trump appointed judge. The courts, as they say, have become uh, entirely politicized and uh, ideological in nature and just a venue for the Federalist Society, or in the case of uh, whatever uh, liberal rulings come down, uh, various other uh, progressive interest groups. Uh, for them to get their way as long as they get the correct judges in the correct spot, then the correct outcomes will happen uh, for their ideological interests and There's been a lot of talk about that as it relates to the Supreme Court because of the the six to three lockdown that they seem to have right now, uh, despite that fact, this was a Supreme Court session with a whole lot of nine os or eight o's or eight ones and seven twos There Which were is... very few right. Which is Sorry, not
2: unusual. Ahead. Which is not unusual, even in you know, it's not like this is the first time that happens. Generally, most of the cases are going to be nine zero eight one or some you know seven two at the most, but it's not usually six three as people expect it to be in every case.
0: Right, and if it's seven two, it's probably something like um Clarence Thomas and Alito are are the two, right. and then the rest of the court does the normal, not insane thing. Right. Uh, And a lot of times I think Thomas is objecting to what's going on just so that he can write – he just loves writing these dissenting opinions. I think it's his favorite thing to do, uh, even more so than writing the opinion of the court. Anyway, uh, for all of the talk of this split – ideologically split court and uh, what a nightmare it's going to be, this session had been largely uh, uncontroversial, I think it is safe to say, up until the final week or so uh, when we got – rulings on affirmative action on i gotta pull up my list the the, the
2: loan right biden loan forgiveness
0: right the the biden loan forgiveness thing and then there was a third one which right which is the not the wedding cake but the wedding the gay website that didn't actually exist for the same-sex couple that didn't actually exist Uh, (laughs) yes The Supreme Court decided to do, like, a, a moot court, basically. They did a they did a mock trial. They right. pretended like this was an actual thing right. uh, when, in fact, it wasn't, which was weird to me. We can talk about that one first and very quickly. Uh, SCOTUS blog, Supreme Court rules website designer can decline to create same-sex wedding websites. This one, I mean, setting aside the fact that I think it's uh, pretty ridiculous that they didn't just say— there's nothing here, and so we're not going to say anything, which I think would have been the correct thing, which is uh, no one has any standing here. This is an entirely – this is a, a first year of law school uh, theoretical hypothetical situation that hasn't actually come to pass in the real world. Right. So why would we rule on this issue? Right. Uh, they should have just uh, said come back. When there is an actual gay couple who has right. actually been discriminated against right. or uh, a web, wedding website designer who has actually been forced uh, by virtue of some state law to give her work or his work as speech or, or they believe that they're being forced to speak against their First Amendment rights, uh, come back when there's an actual case, in other words, would have been my preference. Um, But if we're going to play the theoretical game here, I do tend to come down on the side that the court ended up ruling on, which is I don't see how the act of – if I'm a website designer, uh, opening up my services for the general public compels me to make any website. Uh, that anybody were like i don 't see that as an act of uh discrimination that goes against the civil rights of a gay couple uh there are, you, are are you saying that any number any number of other website designers out there who are perfectly capable and willing to uh perform that task for you presumably right. uh this person does not have a monopoly on, uh, I mean, they have a monopoly on their service, right? They have a monopoly on the thing that they in particular do, I suppose. Uh, but given the fact that it just feels to me like it would be compelled speech if you could go to someone and say, I want to hire you to say this specific thing on my website and you now have to do it. Like it, To me, it's obvious that you should be able to turn down that sort of work if it. For for any reason, including uh, whatever bogus personal uh, religious-based bigotry that you have uh, roiling around in, on your insides.
2: Now, just to clear up that point, so uh, would you still uh, be of the same opinion if they say the reason why I'm not doing this is because you're gay or whatever, right? It doesn't matter what they say. What if they said, like, uh, my ast- astrological sign told me no, like. Like, does it matter the reason people give why they say no to the some service that someone is requesting?
0: Um. Yeah, I don't think it does. Okay. I think uh, that there's not any particular. I mean, I don't know. Uh, right. To me, because I mean, you,
2: isn't that how? Like in the ruling, didn't wasn't it like, oh, uh, religious freedom is important, and if something runs afoul of that, then that is. Like it almost sounded like you know had it been just like just because fuck it it's Monday like if they if they came up with some flimsy re- like no reason law I'm just spiteful I don't like your face right right uh, it it seemed like the way that they wrote the decision was like it was important that it was through the lens of yeah. a religious
0: thing. it wasn't aff- it was an affirmative defense of. Religious freedom in a way that is unsurprising, coming from Amy Coney Barrett and and Gorsuch, right? Right. And Thomas certainly. Uh, and so, yeah, I don't love the I don't love the ruling. But again, if we're just playing the sort of mock trial game of can I is it is it is there a constitution? Do, right. Does the gay person's civic right trump somehow the constitutional right of the business person to? not speak and it's not just that he's a business person it's that you have rights as an individual that if you don't want to say and to me the production like doing that work is in fact speech some people would say that's not speech it doesn't qualify under the first amendment Uh, you're full of shit and i disagree i think it very clearly is uh speech in a way that should be protected by or should be recognized by the federal government, and you shouldn't be compelled to to speak against your values in that way.
2: Right, and I I think what's what's surprising or just confusing to me is, like, why are they hearing this case that seems to be, like, flimsy? Like, you know, like you were saying earlier about this actually didn't happen, like, the way that it was presented, but let's, you know, that doesn't matter for a second, but, like, I, I do wonder what they were trying to... Clear up in this case, you know, because they took the case. The Supreme Court took the case; they didn't have to. Uh, they took this case, even though that there was that cake, wedding cake thing that came out not long ago, right? And that right. that one was kind of it seems to be a similar thing. Like okay, because the the two factors that I always say you should consider is it is a general service or a specialized service, right? You know, with a wedding cake, it was like a specialized kind of thing. It's not like like let's say there was like a bunch of like bananas that I'm buying and you say no because I know what you're going to do with these bananas or something. Like something I don't agree with, right? Uh, like it doesn't matter. It's a banana. It's not a you know, specialized thing. Anybody can buy the banana and if you discriminate against somebody for that's like in a protected class, then that won't stand, right? But like if it's like a tattoo, like like a specialized tattoo on your on your body or a specialized wedding cake or a specific website – Right. Like that to me seems like it falls under like a specialized service and there should be some more leeway given to the person who's offering those services. And especially if
0: I have a if I have a sex toy shop and I sell dildos to anybody, but I won't sell dildos to lesbians right, because I disagree with that lifestyle or whatever. Then I think that that that's an entirely different story right. right like or i won't sell lube to gay guys because i disagree with right. that e- even though anybody else can walk in off the street and buy lube from me if i believe you're going to use it to engage in uh, uh sodomy with with tommy right. then i'm not going to sell it to you that's a that's an entirely different uh ball of wax right. so to speak right uh, and,
2: and so like and and the don't second use
0: wax for that <laughs>
2: yeah uh The second factor is uh, reasonable accommodation or at least in that general umbrella, like you said, if there's like a million other people that are offering the service and are willing to do so, like this shouldn't be a story, right? There's no like – there's no adverse impact by this one – like there should be some wiggle room to
0: where you're – let's not lose sleep over some asshole that didn't want to do something, right? Right. Uh, also, and this isn't the point, but if I were a Supreme Court justice, and by the way, I could be. I just need the right connections. You don't. There are no qualifications whatsoever. Anybody can be uh, appointed to do it. You right. just have to get through you the could Senate.
1: You have try harder, I think. You have to... Sure. Uh,
0: I think okay. there's a strong argument to be made that it shouldn't be just lawyers on there anyway. Perhaps uh, one 40-odd-year-old stay-at-home dad would be a great addition <laughs> to the Supreme Court.
2: Wouldn't you be uh, like just i'll be nerve-wracked to constantly make these decisions like i don't want to fucking
1: oh bob thinks Uh, he's so smart wouldn't have that problem at all you kidding
0: me i'd have some clerks (laughs) Be great. no anyway my question would be as uh uh, you know because the the justices get to sit there and ask questions yeah uh to the to the people trying to hire these people to make their website uh uh, you ever heard of Squarespace, you fucking maniac? Yeah. Why do you want to hire anybody right. for like $2,500 right. to build a wedding website <laughs> when you can go to Squarespace for like $20 and make a really good website or, all by or yourself?
1: you could make the website. Right. And also, uh, to be fair to these people... It's more realistic than being a Supreme Court justice. Right. To well, be I fa-
0: should be a wedding website designer?
1: <laughs> if it's
2: so easy... In, in defense uh in defense of the uh the people who sought out this uh person who's against their lifestyle for a website, um they don't exist. So like that's probably clears up a lot that's of right. the <laughs> to be
0: fair. This does this <laughs> never happened in the first place. So that would be a dumb question by Supreme Court Justice Me. <laughs> Anyway, but, uh,
2: you, you know, uh, on, on this, it's actually not just this case, but even the other two cases, like I'm not that surprised by the outcome for any of them. And you can see an argument that makes sense as to why you would arrive at each one of those three, like the loan forgiveness thing, the this website thing, um, and then the... Whatever the other one was. Uh,
0: I know that you weren't, you weren't surprised by the 6-3 for the loan forgiveness thing. I think you predicted it would go 6-3, and I said, I don't see how this can go 6-3. This is ludicrous. And then I read part of the opinion, and I was like, oh, it's fucking ludicrous. Right. Like, uh, the, the argument, I think it was Kagan, who's usually reliably uh, at least sticks to uh, principle and sticks to the law. I have a great deal of respect for her. I think she's a pretty good writer. I didn't see it here on the on the loan forgiveness thing like the I don't see how we can just allow the president uh, albeit with the sort of cover of the administrative state to do whatever they want uh, which is effectively what uh, the argument for the loan forgiveness program was was that uh, Congress wasn't terribly specific and therefore uh, the administrative state and the, and the executive branch should be permitted to do whatever they want, and I, I don't see how that that was a defensible position.
2: You know uh, the uh, it, you know the, the three the, there's some common theme with the three decisions. Like in in, in this case, um, I think uh, Robert said that like the way that the law was written, it allows for some modifications, right? But no, but this was too significant of a modification for it to be okay, right? But it sounded right. like we'll the, give
0: you we'll give you some leeway, yeah,
2: right. We'll give you some leeway, but this is way there's there's way beyond what the right. law intended, right? And the the one troubling thing that I'm finding from this court is that they're almost like you know like when they decide on something, it's not final. It's almost just kind of like hey, you need to revise your justifications for us to sign off on it, right? And so they're kind of giving them the blueprint. I remember this was kind of what happened with that Muslim ban during the Trump era where they would formulate like a argument and uh, would go up through the system, the court system, and they would say, no, we, that, that's not good. And they're like, okay. They would change their argument. Oh, this other reason. And then they would come back and say, no. And then... They would try again, and then I think the third or fourth time, I forget which attempt, but they wrote it in just the right way to where the court said, okay, right? And right. so
0: to, to quit, quit saying you're trying to ban Muslims right. and just fucking, yeah. you know, just do it, but don't say you're gonna do yeah, it. Just say a different
2: yeah. way. And right. the. There, There is this kind of perverse incentive that that creates, which is basically, if it's not like, a, okay, the court said no, like if they formulate the argument in such a way to where like, no, you know, you can't do it because this, that, and the other, right? Like that's kind of what Roberts was saying, like this is – this law, you're, you're giving justification you have in this law, and this law doesn't do it, right? And so the takeaway from the Biden administration is let's find some other law and say it's for that reason, right, like which is – a ridiculous thing to do, but, like, that's almost kind of what the Supreme Court is wanting you to do, is, like, the way you went about it is wrong, but, like, if you want to still pursue this, like, this is how you would kind of do it, and so, like...
0: Well, that's sort of a, that's sort of a hallmark of the entire Roberts Court, right? Right. And it has been throughout. Like, his, it's sort of his whole thing.
2: Right, but the problem with that way of doing it, especially, and maybe it's not, at least to me, becoming more apparent over the years, like, looking back at, at this Roberts Court, is that you're kind of creating an environment for like disruption because basically people are going to get the right formula down, even though that wasn't the formula that they actually believe in. It's just like, this is what you want us to say. And so we'll just pay lip service to you, right? Just to do what we want. Yeah. The desired outcome is what it is. And I don't care for the reason. Like there's no, there's no punishment for trying 20 times to get the right formulation. Right. Uh, And so like it creates this environment to where, it's, uh, none of these issues are ever going to be resolved. You know, I could see this loan forgiveness thing being something that gets kicked down the road indefinitely, right? Just to say, oh, this 1990-whatever law gives us the authority and then let it go through the court system. They won't decide until next June, and maybe you can make that into a campaign thing and then kick the count again and just right. have, you know basically clog up the courts with the same like three or four issues. Like none of these issues will go away.
0: Yeah, that's an interesting take on, on what's going on. I uh, hadn't really thought about it that way. The thing that's bothered me about it the last couple of weeks is the speech one about the website and the affirmative action case are clear constitutional isu- issues. The, the, the loan forgiveness thing, uh, slightly less so, I think. Uh, more of a question of, like, administrative law or whatever. Uh, despite them being clear constitutional issues that to me have valid constitutional questions on both sides there. You can, you can hear arguments on both sides. The results are being understood in the media and therefore in the general public as being, uh, merely, uh, political in, in outcome, right? That the, that this is not an this is not a, res, a valid result in some ways that the the court's decisions are uh suspect because they are 6-3 uh down ideological lines and because these are issues that uh for liberals have been morally decided upon already right that that the 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 moral weight of these questions is immense and that therefore uh, being on the quote-unquote right side of history on these questions is – it it trumps any question of uh, the constitutional nature, the, the, un- the underlying constitutional question, right? Like to me, affirmative action uh, – first heard about it back in the 90s uh, when I was a young up-and-coming weirdo who enjoyed reading about the law and the court. Uh, this is like – it was a classic – Of the conservative versus liberal mindset, right? Like, is is affirmative action uh, a good thing? Is it uh, legal? Is it constitutional? And a conversation that mostly had sort of gone away, it seemed to me, in the last uh, decade or so. Like, it wasn't something that came up a lot. Yeah, what was the last
2: big affirmative action case? Was it that? Wasn't I remember a Texas student? There was some case.
0: 2003, I believe it was, and it was authored by uh, Sandra Day O'Connor, and and the quote from that 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 comes out of that case, which I don't have uh, ready to hand as far as what the the name of the case was, but they basically end up – and I've heard this described as sort of the Planned Parenthood v. Casey to – like the way that uh, the relationship between Roe and Casey – is similar to whatever this 2003 case was, which modified our understanding of uh, affirmative action in higher education, which I think the first big Supreme Court case on that goes back to like 1978, maybe, or something along. uh, 78 is the year that sticks in my head. Again, don't have it ready to hand, poorly prepared. Uh, But this 2003 case that O'Connor is like, look, uh, we 're going to allow affirmative action in higher education to continue, but uh it can 't go on forever is what is is basically uh the money quote from that like we can 't imagine that if we come back in twenty five years this will still be necessary, and therefore like it has to have some sort of an end date right. and uh Anyway, uh, we'll get into the specifics of this in just a second. But there's something demoralizing to me about the fact that these interesting constitutional – these hard and interesting constitutional questions are being presented purely as uh, uh, political battles between uh, Republicans and Democrats and that there's there's not – really that that the underlying uh hard and, and n- interesting nature of these questions is entirely somehow beside the point right. uh that it's just a question of we will now do more harm to gays and we will now do more harm to black people because of uh the bad job done by republican appointed uh justices to the supreme court and that to me is is uh an unfortunate way of framing the conversation
2: you know um remember during the like six years ago i mean i'm sure it still happens every now and again uh re- more recently but like uh with the kneeling right like oh stop injecting politics into sports uh or somebody yeah. does some sort of like fist stop injecting sports just play i mean stop injecting politics you know there's there were a couple of examples over the last like 10 years of this right? and uh but you know like the military involvement with sports, that's totally fine. The the flyover, militaristic flyover, that's fine. The, you know, singing the national anthem, that's fine. And basically it comes down to like, politics is when I disagree with it, right? It's like, it becomes political when I'm on the other side of whatever it is that's happening, right? And so yeah. like, in, in sports, it was kind of on the other side, but here it seems like it's a political thing. Uh, it's a political decision because I don't agree with the decision, right? It's basically... The outcome that you reach will determine whether or not something is political or not instead of like looking at whatever the argument was made uh to reach that conclusion and then saying no that's not true or it was never supposed to be like a short term thing it was supposed to be a for you know like actually argue the substance of it, but basically it's like outcome different from where I would have landed, and therefore this is political like it seems like right. it's that simple of a calculation
0: and right. and when you read the dissent by uh, both uh justice jackson and uh and sotomayor it sure doesn't feel like an argument that's couched in the law or the constitution it feels like you're reading an op-ed by some uh fucking law professor from the university of of chicago or yale or something like they don't feel like Considered and reasoned and constitutionally based responses to this, they feel like opinion pieces right that's uh, that are based in like weird academic sociological theories a critical race theory being among them about uh, a better way to, to hold the world in your hand and make it a better place. Like, Again, and they're, they're sent around uh, the, the normal liberal media spaces as a fiery response uh, from justice Sotomayor or, a, or a withering takedown of the, of the majority opinion by uh, justice Jackson and that's fine uh, in the pages of the the opinion pages of the New york Times or the washington post i don't know what uh good is done is in making that the dissenting opinion of the court beyond uh sort of whining right. about uh, how unfair everything is
2: you know i I have not kept up um, i don't think I've even read one piece of content about the analysis of this decision, so maybe this point has already been made out there uh, but the effectiveness of affirmative action is there something we can point to to show that this proved effective is there something that we can look back like maybe in a few years and say alright here's this graph and it shows June of 23 this thing ended and it had these bad results right like or do you think things are just going to continue as they have been they're going to find other formulations that are within this decision and accomplish this similar thing which is by the way not that impressive, right? So, like, whatever the, the rate of, you know, black students at these schools, uh, especially the Ivy League types, like, if they're hovering at, I don't know, 3 4%, and it stays that way 10 years from now, then what, right, like, what was the effect of this policy? Like, right. to me, there seems to be, like, no discussion of, like, this is, like, this – successful thing you know kind of how you do it with like oh we give some tax credits to very poor people and now bring them up from poverty like you can point to like they were here all these years and now they're up here still poor but like they can at least live
0: Uh, so i did google i did google along these lines like uh, proof that affirmative action in higher education has been effective or that it worked. Right. And I found a couple of papers, and they seem like a lot of sociological bullshit, right. including including some stuff about how, like, well, it uh, a more diverse student body has shown to make their fellow students less bigoted moving forward and to make them more accepting of other cultures moving forward. It's like— who is this helping again? Right, so the affirmative action for? is for the what is the what is the imagined impact of that in terms of the sort of problems that you're trying to solve? Where you think that you're you like because it's not just that you're trying to change the hearts and minds of a of an elite group of people who are already at fucking Harvard, right? Right. Like you're trying, you're hoping to have a generational change on the way wealth and and power is uh, uh, accumulated. And doled out in this country and then held on to, and the best you can point to is like ah, some people felt better about the darkies afterwards, apparently uh, we think right based but- on this fucking uh, psychological study of eleven hundred kids in uh, at three different Ivy League schools like what are you talking
2: about by the way that that argument is so bizarre to me because it 's like what so they're saying one benefit or at least one of the benefits uh, that they can point to is that. The presence of a black student furthers the education life education of white students, so like the affirmative action <laughs> was designed for that purpose like it seems kind of a weird thing to say uh but maybe maybe there isn't like a some Something you can point to that will prove or disprove this point, and so that's why in the absence of that, uh, there are these kind of arguments,
0: right? Right. Well, and I further – so you read from the first – just the first sentence of Ketanji Brown Jackson's dissent. Says, Gulf sized race based gaps exist with respect to the health, wealth, and well being of American citizens. They were created in the distant past but have indisputably been passed down to the present day through the generations. Every moment these gaps persist is a moment in which this great country falls short of actualizing one of its foundational principles the self evident truth that all of us are created equal. Uh, Yet today, the court, blah, 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 blah. The court shits on all of us, basically, is what she goes on to say. So I I Googled, like, the racial wealth gap uh, by year and compared it to – uh, the passage of the Civil Rights Act, like as you go back and you show the racial wealth gap, basically uh, it was – at the end of slavery, it was fucking 200 to 1, right? The, the If there was wealth, it was held by white people, right? this sort of uh, obvious and self-evident thing at the end of uh, so basically, but but since the '60s, the racial wealth gap in this country has shrunk from uh, seven to one to six to one. Is the is the way that it is? So it, it has not meaningfully right. changed at all uh, since the passage of the Civil Rights Act. So the the, the forty five plus year regime since the late '70s of affirmative action in higher education has had no discernible impact on closing the racial wealth gap. I I did the same thing about. Uh, ethnic health disparities uh, through the years, and I couldn't find any proof that, if anything, we're just constantly hearing the opposite, that health disparities as stratified by race are getting worse. Uh, largely, that's confounded by the fact uh, that that, that uh, it's hard to separate class and, and wealth from the conversation around uh, health stuff, right. but there's not much indication that affirmative action has had any discernible impact on the Ability of black people to close the the health gap on white people in the last 40 years. And then you just go look at how people uh, do in finishing college. And in 1964, according to Pew Research, 10% of whites finished college. 4% of blacks finished college. Which, by the way, uh, both lower than I would have guessed. (laughs) (laughs) That is true. Uh, But,
2: you know, there's... Yeah, I mean, there there has been a a shift because... For a long time, high school was sufficient. You know, you just get a high school degree and be done with it.
0: Right. I actually want to – I'll show you this graph because it's amusing to me how consistent it is from one race to the next. It's got uh, Asians, whites, blacks, and Hispanics all listed here. The Asians don't show up as a subgroup until uh, the late 1980s when nearly 40 percent of them were – going on to complete college degrees. That's up to, in 2015, 53%. Uh, whites improved on a on a steady path up uh, from 10% all the way up to 36% of whites have a college degree now. Uh, blacks from 4% in the 1960s to uh, nearly a quarter at 23%. A very similar sort of upward trajectory Uh, and Hispanics the same way in the, in the worst shape of all. They starting in the seventies at 5% and only up to 15% now, Uh, but still
2: uh, a similar,
0: yeah. right, a similar trend. And it's all the same line. Like you could take the line and apply it to each of the different uh, four broken out races there. And it's the same line. So I'm not sure what affirmative action has done in the last 40 years. Uh, to accomplish the things that Ketanji Brown-Jackson is saying uh, will no longer be accomplished right. because of this ruling. I, 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 it It feels like a purely emotional appeal to things that we want to be true about the interventions that we've taken in this country to make a difference. That— uh, according to everything that I've heard on NPR since uh, 2014 or so, have failed fucking miserably, right? right? <laughs> and that that have had absolutely no impact on actually meaningfully changing changing the lives of the people that they're meant to help,
2: right? And you know, and the more you think of it, uh, the more incoherent the whole thing is. Because okay, so affirmative action is for college and university, right? After high school, right? It's like when you're getting admitted to a college or university, they can apply for a reaction to consider, you know, like look at your application. And then like, if you meet one of the, whatever, if you're like black, that'll weigh more towards letting you in. Right. Uh, Right.
0: The, the plaintiffs in this case sort of, they, they, they proved, I mean, there's no other way. I'll just say that they proved it. People will dispute this, I suppose. But to me, they convincingly proved that, for example, uh, 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 an Asian in the top 10 percent of their academic achievement decile uh, is something like 10 times less likely to get into one of these elite colleges as an African American in the top 10 percent of their ac- right. uh, uh, of their academic achievement decile. Right? right. So, like, it, it becomes it is much easier. For a high-achieving black student to get into one of these schools than it is for a high-achieving Asian student. It's not uh, – I mean that, that's just what affirmative action is and does, right?
2: Right. right. And I, I – I, unless I'm mistaken, I think that was uh, – anyone was making that argument or at least they weren't making that as the focal point of the argument in defense, that this was not happening. Like, I mean that wasn't the primary argument.
0: I mean I've seen a, no but I've seen a lot of people saying that uh
2: this was not happening I mean, it, it's like all
0: right that that it is that it's a myth that it harms high achieving Asians and whites and I I just I don't understand how you can make that argument in the face of the of the sorts of numbers that were presented
2: but uh, but okay so even setting that aside even if you were believing that if you just accepted the argument as true there is it's you know this is the impact it's having is having a negative impact on on another racial group right uh the okay before these uh applicants were applying for college they were in high school and before that they were elementary school right and so like that where you're kind of accumulating all this knowledge to be an applicant for some school like all of that is just whatever right uh there isn't any sort of thing being done at the lower level, so you can not right. have a
0: terrible. I think the point you're getting at here is this: way too fucking late, right? By the yeah. time we get to college applications, right? Right? Like the the bed's been made. The kid who's applying to Harvard or UNC or the univers- and, and then has to settle for going to UPenn or has to settle for going to Northwestern or has to settle for going to the University of Georgia, right. for example. That person has already achieved a, a level of economic security for themselves in the abstract, right. not not in the not in the real world yet, but like uh, in terms of the the numbers, they're going to be just fine. Right. Right. right, this person has already done all of the things that they need to do uh, largely because that's, they were fucking born that way yeah. and sorry to all of you high achievers out there uh, you fucking lucked out <laughs> uh, in terms of your drive and your genetics and your uh, brain's ability to process information and, and regurgitate it back out to the people who want it from you that's fucking luck of the draw man and yeah you worked hard and I'm super fucking proud of you for doing that and, and good on you but you're going to be just fine the problem is the fucking five year olds who don't know right. who aren't taught to read the problem is the 10-year-olds who still haven't been fucking taught to read and who now have like a one in 10 chance of ever learning to read at grade level right like the, do, the problem is so much earlier than the way that we're alleging to attack the problem so of course it didn't have any fucking impact in the last 45 yeah. do years do the
1: grad schools have the same thing
0: uh, affirmative action is is yes it has been legal, the law of the land in higher education for 45 years I just years. feel
1: like you don't hear about it as much for grad graduate programs it's, which um, is if you're really trying to highly achieve things it doesn't matter at all where you do your undergrad at all it matters where you do your bach your masters and your doctorate
0: yeah, I think which this,
1: it it's not going to matter. Go to wherever the fuck and then go to the, well, the you can't fancy
0: It's much harder to go to Harvard Law if you went to Georgia as an undergrad. Like it, it that's just true. So you need to go to one of these high these these Ivies or the the that's, other elite I don't think universities. That's right. It is 100% right. It is much harder to get into an Ivy to Yale or Harvard Law School if you didn't already if, you, if you're if you going to Georgetown, you're much better off having graduated from Harvard or Yale already uh, than the University of Idaho.
1: College is bullshit. I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> I, I it's do, just all such loads and loads of bullshit.
2: Right. I do hope that uh, the focus can then shift because, like I said, this is too late to intervene in any significant way. This kind of like almost masks uh, the problem, uh, however slightly, and not really – masks all that greatly. But like, why not just focus on those earlier grades where like, you can do something to improve the lives of people? Because if you are, at, you know, at a reading level, your math scores are comparable to other students, then you'll be fit for, you know, like, employment, right? Wherever sc- right. you can go to a state school, uh, and you'll be fine, right? You can go become an account or some other thing, right? So, like, you can do a lot more good just getting people prepared at the lower levels, uh, and then applying, get in wherever. I mean, the whole this whole Ivy League thing is sounds like a scam. It's like you have this artificial process to kind of let you in because they'll let you know, you know, student athletes in, like, without any any reason, like legacy. You know, there's all these other people that come in, right? And then right. there it's in their interest to make sure that they pass, right? So you either get an A or a B. Like, they fail very few people. So, like, all of it is just to maintain this, like, oh, we are, like, this smart school or whatever, right? I'm sure there are some smart people there, but it sounds like some artificial kind of thing, like the value of diamonds. Right.
0: I'm I'm not denying the... I'm sure it's a great fucking education. It would have been really cool to go to a school like that. I'm not denying that. I could have gotten a much better education at the University of Georgia than I got too. right? right. It's all about what you put in. Right. The difference is that you go to Harvard or Yale, there's an expectation that you're going to be putting in uh, far more than you are. If and you're...
1: it's who you meet when you're there. Right.
0: right. It's absolutely it's a, a, so- it a game of social climbing, yeah. Just like just like – everything else is it's
2: case. bullshit i think of the three cases this is the one that will just kind of die like i don't think there's like there's gonna be so
0: that's interesting that you think that because the way that it's been portrayed in the media is that this is a disaster for the country that it is a it's a travesty that it's something that it overturns 50 years of established precedent and is a, a shameful mark and it's the A a grand success for racist, ideological Republicans. Right, I I think, uh, yeah. I
2: I can see, I mean, yeah, the arguments can be made, but that's not really true because, like I said, what evidence is there that it was that successful to begin with? Like, what evidence will there be to show that because of this, it made some negative, it had a negative impact? Like, you're not going to see either of those things, right? So that's why I'm thinking it'll just kind of die off. Um, The other two, like the student loan thing, I think will just be, like, reworked and... They'll come up with some other justification and bring it back. And then with the website thing, there will be constantly this stuff, right, where there will be some case coming up saying I shouldn't be required to do this thing. I don't want to sing happy birthday to you because you're gay or something. Like, And they'll do a big thing about that. Like Those two cases will kind of be regurgitated. But the affirmative action, I'll be surprised to see anything coming from that.
0: I've complained about Justice Clarence Thomas many times before. I find his uh, committed originalism to be absurd at times, uh, as much as I myself prefer the text of the Constitution to some of the more silly interpretations of it. Uh, But I enjoyed uh, his concurring opinion here. Uh, Unsurprisingly, Roberts kept this one for himself. It is an extremely John Roberts kind of case. Uh, He has said many times through the years that you can't – you're not going to beat discrimination with more discrimination, I believe, is uh, one of his many formulations, Uh, and I – I'm not surprised that he took this one for himself. But in uh, his concurring opinion, Thomas said the following. The solution to our nation's racial problems thus cannot come from policies grounded in affirmative action or some other conception of equity. Racialism simply cannot be undone by different or more racialism. Instead, the solution announced in the second founding is con- incorporated in our Constitution that we are all equal and should be treated equally before the law without regard to our race. Only that promise can allow us to look past our differing skin colors and identities and see each other for what we truly are, individuals with unique thoughts, perspectives, and goals, but with equal dignity and equal rights under the law. The second founding that he's talking about there is, uh, are the the three amendments that followed the the Civil War, including the 14th Amendment, which... Uh, features prominently in the opinion of the court here, and I have I have no quibbling. I, I quibble none with what uh, Clarence Thomas had to say in his uh, concurring, concurring opinion, and found nothing remotely compelling in the dissents from Sotomayor or or Ketanji Brown Jackson. Let us play a quick strassman it's now time for america's favorite game show did mark strassman cbs news's senior national correspondent get off a good one
3: and especially senator ted cruz he left with his family for tropical mexico and was whacked like a piñata
0: strassman gets off a good one
3: Victims died of hypothermia in bedrooms and backyards. Texans shivered and boiled all at once. Ooh,
0: sorry, Mark. Try again next time. He had a lot of reports in the last two weeks. Um, I didn't listen to them all, shamefully so, but I did listen to this one about a new African-American museum in South Carolina that, quote, turns the site of trauma into a site of triumph getting late it's never too late
1: <laughs> for Strassman. too late i'm just saying fucking wrap it up
0: it's more specifically never too late for me to use strassman to make an obnoxious point <laughs> about <laughs> uh, about something
3: <laughs> no mark strassman shows us why its location and mission are so important This is
1: an American story.
3: You feel it throughout Charleston's new International African-American Museum. The power of resilience.
1: I think sometimes we need to be
3: shocked. Malika Pryor guided us through nine galleries that track America's original sin. the 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 history of the Middle Passage. More than 12 million enslaved people shipped from Africa as human cargo. Their anguish and despair.
1: What did they lose? What did they have to sacrifice? What did they have to hide?
3: But exhibits also pay homage to something else, faith that freedom would one day be theirs. I expect different people to feel different things. Tanya Matthews, the CEO of this museum, built on scarred and sacred ground. Gadsden's Wharf, the arrival point for nearly half of all enslaved Africans shipped to the US.
1: We were able to find this outline of what had been a building, and we believe that it was one of the many storehouses. We do know that captured Africans, once they were brought into the wharf, were often, or in many cases, held in these storehouses, awaiting their price to increase. This is a site of trauma, but look who's standing here now. That's what makes it a site of joy uh, and triumph. You're going to walk in this space and you are going to engage. uh, And what it means to you is going to be transformational.
3: By design, you feel all that. It's not a museum about slavery, but a monument to freedom. So this entire thing tells me a whole lot about how complicated uh, my past uh, has been. Representative James Clyburn, South Carolina's veteran congressman, championed this project for more than 20 years. It has the chance of being the most consequential uh, thing that I've ever done. You see this with pride as a legacy project. No question about that. An American legacy, the intersection of trauma and triumph. For CBS Mornings, Mark Strassman in Charleston, South Carolina.
1: I want to go. I want to go just to meet
3: Tanya Matthews. Right. It's such right. a regal
1: presence. I like it. I want to yes. go to that place. Yeah.
3: And I like what Mark said in a legacy project. Yeah, The intersection of trauma and triumph. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. Okay. That's that, a, yes. my, my point as well. They balance the two very well. All
0: right. Nate Burleson, always good to reinforce <laughs> Mark Strassman's work there. Abe, did Mark Strassman, CBS News' senior national news correspondent. Get off a good one. No. Ooh, sorry, Mark. Try again next time. No, he did not. He didn't even try. He's cowardly in the face of such a serious subject. He didn't even bother trying.
2: Straight segment that uh, Strassman has had. Uh... Not a lot of opportunities yeah, to, very... to th- throw in one
0: of his little turns of phrase. This has been America's favorite game show. Did Mark Strassman, CBS News's senior national correspondent, get off a good one? You imagine fucking being that lady who runs that museum and trucking Mark Strassman <laughs> around? Uh. <laughs> To every exhibit for like five and a half hours. And then you tune in to the CBS morning show the next day I, and it's just two minutes of this like fucking Stra- Pablum.
2: Strassman must have like a ironclad like geographic specific contract, right? To where like I don't care yeah. what the topic is, how ill suited I am to report it, if it's in one of those states in the in the southeast <laughs> That's coming my way.
0: Well, how dare you suggest that he's ill-suited to report on this conversation? No, That's ridiculous. That I sounds say, like you're doing a racism, No, babe. No,
2: no, no. Here's the thing. The evidence of that is that you should play it the way Strassman plays it a lot of times. Like, it doesn't matter what the segment is. What is this? Come on. You throw zinger for some stupid alcohol thing in Kentucky, you can do the same thing here. That's right. Here. And that you pulled your Strassman, punches means Stra- that, you know, Strassman. Ill-
0: Strassman is pulling the punches because of the soft bigotry of low expectations, I think. Uh, fucking bastard. Uh, I agree. He didn't get off a good one. A uh, couple things, though, that stood out to me from that segment, which as morning news show segments go, I think was just fine. Uh, the Middle Passage, one of the great... Awful crimes in human history, right uh, this is the the African slave trade twelve some in excess of twelve million Africans shipped across the Atlantic Ocean uh, awful, awful conditions uh, you go look at the Wikipedia and uh, if you really want to depress yourself and look at the look at the drawings of the ships and the way that they were they were Stuffed in there and shipped over here, and then uh, obviously not much better uh, once they made landfall. Um, 12 million, million people. Uh, 600,000 of those people landed on American shores, on, on colonial shores or American shores. I'm not saying that that is some small number. I'm not saying that that's a number to be dismissed away uh but that means that uh and I, I believe the number is like in excess of 2 million people died in transit uh it's somewhere around there uh some 5 million uh to the caribbean some in excess of that number of 5 5 plus million uh down to brazil i believe you don't get this museum in any of the caribbean islands no. you're not nope. you're not getting this museum in brazil this big beautiful Uh, piece of architecture and reflection on, uh, as Strassman puts it, America's original sin. Uh, And again, I can't stress enough, I do not mean to diminish the uh, awfulness of of the United States, uh, the colonies accepting 600,000 Africans uh, to our shores uh, back in this day, but this it's another example of american exceptionalism yes. and the, the the that sort of weird reverse american exceptionalism that that liberals uh, progressive minded types like to sort of foist upon us um this wasn't just our sin it wasn't even primarily our sin and the num- <laughs> like the numbers bear that out uh and you know you need look no further than the fact, and 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 to suggest somehow further, and this is not done in this CBS morning piece or anything like that, but that somehow it would have, but for the Middle Passage and the slaves that were brought here uh, in those ships, uh, America would not be the place that it is now. Uh, that that it was truly uh, built upon this. Well, it was. What's going on in the Caribbean? Right. What's going on in fucking Brazil? Which well, is not even a fucking second world country at this point.
1: My, uh, my client who was a professor who taught slavery always was sort of dismissive of American slavery considering proportionally how worse it was everywhere right. And else. I'm not
0: trying to be dismissive or, or to, to downplay I'm it.
1: But. Right,
2: I, I, I think you're... Uh, the reverse American exceptionalism is at play here. Basically, it's like everything America thinks about is always just through the eyes of America, like how it impacts America, the the culpability of America, everything's just because America. And so, like, the, slavery is not a uniquely American thing, like you you point out. Like, it's happened... Not even
3: close! Right. <laughs> right. <laughs>
2: like, and, and, and in fact, you know, like, if you were... T- like, you know, this is entirely a separate point, but most issues are not uniquely there. You know, like, the exception would be, like, guns right gun sh- shootings are uniquely american right like you don't see that same thing happening in other countries right but like during, in terms
0: of yeah by by rate right, yeah sure right
2: but like like slavery like you, you you every country you go to like in the caribbean and in south america they'll have a story of like slavery impacting their country all of these countries you can point you can point to any country basically and there's some sort of impact of, like, human enslavement or some sort of hardship or some sort of whatever, right? So, like, the way that the story is presented in this piece and others, you you would think if you didn't know anything else, it's like, oh, this is a uniquely American thing uh, and, and and black right. people experience Strassman
0: says the number 12 – he says the number 12 million people on the Middle Passage. Right. That has nothing to do with the uh, – I mean, yes, that's where our slaves – that's a gross Uh-oh. word to say, uh, but that, that, that's where the One slaves week without a firm who came from this happens. <laughs> Right, that's where the slaves who ended up in America came from. But it's not like those twelve. It's, we didn't get twelve million slaves from the Middle Passage, right? Um, but so the other thing that I wanted to bring up here is, aside from the fact that like, it is sort of unthinkable that. I mean, and I don't know. I don't travel to the Caribbean. I don't travel to Brazil. But nobody else is reckoning with these fucking questions in the way that we are, I don't think.
1: No, but uh, they – it's different in those places.
0: Sure, but
1: – It's different.
0: And and Strassman's sort of the, the one mini-zinger that he tries to the, – the intersection of triumph and – or the, the the intersection of, of trauma and triumph is, is what he's getting at here a couple times in the piece. Uh, like – Is it anymore like? Do we are we a culture that is capable of recognizing the triumph that has arisen from that original sin? That has that that it. it, Do we? Because it doesn't feel like it to me anymore. Uh, Like there's way less of, and I hate American stupid American patriotism, right? I I it is graded against me my entire life. I, I I don't care for it. The the fucking Toby Keith uh nine eleven anthem stuff makes me fucking righteous with fury. Right. Um I hate mindless American patriotism. But at the same time we have we fail we don't do the triumph end of it it doesn't feel like right. like th- that is a that's a weird lie being told uh about the way that we understand our history now it's not the way that we tell this story we don't tell it as a tale of triumph and liberation and freedom we only tell the bad story any longer right.
2: uh, I-, I do wonder though like is that because it's harder to tell a more nu- nuanced story right you know like the old process was to gloss over just depraved behavior right like america is great we were fighting our freedom there were some some things happened with the whole racial thing and now ah, everything's fine and kumbaya you know and then now it's like kind of like maybe a little too far in the other stuff like america is no good like even like if somebody wrote like a, a good point uh like thomas jefferson like oh yeah but fuck that guy because of this other thing right like there's like yeah. it, there seems to be some um uh, difficulty with, with telling and accepting and living with a more nuanced story about America, which is probably the closer thing to the truth, right? Where you know, some good things and bad things, and we're a little better now than we were before, and keep it in that direction,
0: um, and here we are. Right, and we remain uh, as obnoxious as Reagan's uh, adoption of this formulation uh, is the fucking shining city on the hill. We're still a magnet for all of the immigrants who want to better themselves, right? We we remain that in terms of uh, uh, people from all countries, of all countries, of all places, of all backgrounds and of all religions and And uh, the only thing that unites them is this, uh, desire for a better life for themselves and their family. And, and in some cases, uh, fucking awful ambition, right? Like that, that driving human need for more and more and more, we remain the magnet that attracts those sorts of people, uh, the world over. It doesn't make us fucking blameless. That makes us fucking human. And one of the, the more like, uh, profound unbound examples of 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 what humanity is capable of both in terms of uh uh, the best of that you know for better or for worse and and we've been that for 250 fucking years and we will continue to be that uh hopefully moving forward but not if we uh continue with this like extreme like our our elite class is in constant at constant war with itself about whether or not this country should even exist i, I don't understand it right. it's a fucking great place it's the best place in the fucking world and i wouldn't want to live anywhere else As uh,
1: someone who's never been anywhere else
0: goddamn right <laughs> it, am i equally myopic and uh, no doubt about it uh but the the founding ideals of this country uh remain important to me and it drives me nuts to heal, hear people uh constantly uh Talking us down, uh, and 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 us is a gross word to use in this context. Like there, there is no us, right? I, there is no us. There is no we. Uh, but at the same time, we're we're not our worst sins, and I and we. I, what I hated about organized religion from the start was this insistence that you are nothing but your worst sins, that your best deeds are nothing but dirty rags to the Lord. Like fuck you. What are you talking about? We're a big gross mess,
2: right? Black and white thinking goes down easier, and so that's why you get that.
0: Yeah, you've been listening to Cast Iron Brains, a podcast with Bob and Abe. Find the show on uh, Facebook or Twitter. Uh, I joined Threads, oh. uh, not as a show, but as a as a me, because I had a, a defunct Instagram account that was still act like still there, so I could then uh, migrate over to threads i think i have four uh four followers now is this a uh am
1: not following you
0: no certainly not
1: is
2: this a uh weird penis handle
0: no it's not the weird penis <laughs> handle how dare you i'm not sure the people out there know what you're talking about but uh no it's it's at m-r-b-o-b-i-v uh, this is my my normal handle on the internet uh threads is a fucking chaotic mess right now i have no idea what's going on there i i scroll it and it's just it's it appears to be everyone throwing everything at the wall uh and seeing what sticks and threads doing i mean i assume that there's an algorithm at play here but i can't figure out what's uh, going on
2: i i was playing around with it just today like for the first time because i just heard about this um because it's brand new uh I'm getting like a lot of like NBA teams and NFL teams threads. Like I don't know. No. It's some weird I don't know what my algorithm is.
0: I doing. imagine it's talking to your Instagram okay. uh algorithm in some way, but I I don't know. So uh, from
2: from what I gather, I mean I'm knowing nothing about this, this was something in the works. It was gonna probably be released at the end of the year, next year, when it, when they have everything down, right? But because they saw an opportunity with whatever the hell is going on with Twitter, um, there have been some recent weird stories coming out of Twitter where they would try to, like, limit how many tweets you see depending on your level of membership. Um, And in order to see – You
0: might be limited to seeing, like, 600 tweets a day or something like that unless you pay for the service. And
2: and then, like, uh, people, despite – Whatever uh, has been going on with Twitter recently, people still use Twitter when they're sharing something. Like, oh, this story came out, and there's a Twitter link, and you click on the Twitter link, and then for some period of time, you couldn't see it until you logged in. In the past, you could just see at least that tweet. And so I assume Instagram or Zuckerberg or Meta or whatever, they were like, fuck it, we'll deal with our – growing pains in public just release it because right. it. we'll do it live
0: yeah. we'll do the beta live it'll be fine right.
2: and, yeah. and and so that's why you have like what was you it losers 100,
1: signed up for a hundred
2: million it? Yeah, over sure. days you know so it's it seems like they just did it for that and that's why there are all these weird like i
1: can't imagine wanting more social media yeah. than you already have you
0: don't want more you just want it to be better no. and to like be no, different i
1: want less i want fewer i want less yeah. I want it to go away, you freaks signing up for more.
0: I you know, everybody's doing it. Check it out at least. It doesn't mean I have to use it. Anyway, uh don't don't find us there. Go send us an email, uh brainironpodcast at gmail dot com or, or find us on Facebook or Twitter, I suppose. The opening and closing themes of the show were composed by Mark Gillig. Tetramermusic.com. T-E-T-R-A-M-E-R music.com. Brainiron.com. For a show note, Abe, you're in Aruba uh, for much of the week. But you had two weeks. Surely you made it to the movie theater at some
2: point. Yeah, I haven't watched the movie uh, for the last week or so. Actually, yeah, ever since uh, last weekend. But I went to go see... uh, Harrison Ford's new movie, uh, Indiana Jones and the Harrison whatever. Harrison
1: Ford's new movie, okay. Indiana Jones Five, <laughs> yeah. yes. Indiana
2: Jones uh, and the what's Dial of one? Destiny, I think is what.
0: Dial of Destiny, yes. So
2: this movie wasn't good, right? I wasn't. I was Oh come on! I wasn't.
0: <laughs> I, I disagree. I wasn't. I didn't see this movie, and I don't care. I disagree. I, I'm sure it was great. To fuck be you. fair, I
2: was. It, I wasn't expecting it to be good. It was fine. The problem with the movie is that. Uh, you know Harrison Ford in great shape especially for somebody that's 80 right but he is 80 right and so like just about every action sequence was cgi right and it's not like yeah. ps5 G- cgi it's like mm, maybe ps4 right but <laughs> closest to ps3 right so it just looks like clearly, like you know, just the motion of his body as he's running through something. It's like, oh, come on! And and usually I let those kind That's of things too slide. Bad. But the story was just whatever. Yeah. Like he gro- he's, it starts with him like depressed. They write off Shia LaBeouf's character off screen, an off screen death. I don't know what happened to this guy's uh, uh, career, but he can't even do like a cameo. Like, uh, well,
0: nobody liked him in the last one, right? So.
2: I liked him. Literally, just killed him off, like as if he doesn't exist. Uh, and he's like, so he's moping about that, obviously. And uh, yeah, yeah. If you're a uh, grew up watching Harrison Ford's uh, Indiana Jones, maybe you'll find some comfort in it. But like, it just wasn't very good. What's weird is that this is yet another of the summer movies that have bombed. Like, it's been a... Yeah, it
0: didn't make a ton of money, did it? Yeah,
2: and it, and there's no chance that it'll make up for the ridiculous budget. Everybody's in Europe. Yeah. No
1: one's watching movies. But
2: what's weird is, like, so every movie except the Spider-Verse one, that did okay, that did pretty good numbers. But the, all the other movies, like The Little Mermaid and the other, like, fast whatever, a bunch of movies came out, uh, and they have kind of struggled at the box office. And, and you have this month of July where Tom Cruise is usually sure money. His movie, Mission Impossible, comes out this upcoming weekend. Then you have the Barbie movie and the...
1: Barbie's going to do just the fine. The Atomic Bomb. Everybody's going to see it. And it
2: seems like of all the... You would think none of them should struggle, but like Barbie seems... Maybe I'm just being lied to by online, but it seems like there's a lot of momentum towards that movie.
1: Yeah, um, people are going to see that movie.
0: I, just, I i still am super skeptical that Oppenheimer, which is a th- three, I think hours. three hours and ten minutes... Yeah. It's, it's it's a three hour movie about the dudes who had to bear the burden yes. of making the atomic bomb, and then presumably we'll get like we'll probably get some sweet test footage of the bomb going what? off.
1: Some poorly then, written women characters.
0: Yeah, some uh, full frontal apparently from uh, Cillian Murphy and uh, whoever the female is in this. I film. don't
1: want to see it now.
0: Probably.
1: I don't like him.
0: Uh, you're gonna have to see his donger. I'm sorry.
1: I don't like him. I don't like his face.
0: I, uh, uh, maybe you'll prefer his donger.
1: Probably. <laughs> I would.
2: I, I would like to see how that scene plays out. I'm going. You know, I'm going to the uh, the rival
0: uh, theater company. You're gonna go see Cillian Murphy's donger in IMAX, uh, in IMAX aren't IMAX. you? Yeah. <laughs> so
2: this is like an IMAX uh, uh, showing of of. Of that, uh, so that should be interesting. But yeah, I, I don't know. I think that movie has all the makings of like a underperforming because of the three hours and the bomb. You know, like that's not fun. Like, hey, a lot of people going to die very fast with this bomb.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, Mission Impossible movie will be make a bunch yes. of money, though. I'm sure. Yes. Let's see what did what did we watch? Did we watch? You anything? didn't
1: watch shit. I watched the second season of the Bear. It was good. Oh, nice. Um, I saw a play. It was the same as always. Um, we're going to Disney World in two weeks. Nice. Hey, so easy.
0: Kids might hear this.
1: The kids are not hearing this.
0: It's a surprise.
1: Nothing else matters.
0: Yeah, we didn't watch anything together because I was gone for a very long time, and then I got back and then immediately and got in the car here. and drove to Greenville for f- three or four more days after that.
1: I watched the documentary on Netflix about American Gladiators. Oh,
0: I did. Nice.
2: Watch a you couple of that episodes, without me?
0: Yeah.
1: I watched it with Julia.
0: Oh, that's shitty. I would have liked to watch that one.
1: I'll watch it again. There's another one on a different one. There's a the, I watched the Netflix one. There's another one on one of the other streaming services. Know,
2: that keeps happening. The two maybe they're whatever. Yeah.
0: Who
2: thought they're I right mean I'm
0: like, sure it's fucking uh, so Hulu's got this American Gladiators thing in the works. What can we get for our two hundred and fifty thousand yeah, dollars that's American Gladiators? It was yeah. fine.
1: Um yeah, we I we're, we don't have anything.
0: I watched Gone Girl uh again as yes, it was on cable while I was down at my dad's and oh,
1: That's a
0: good one. Fincher makes such good fucking movies. Like they don't even have to be great, but like he's just so good at at making movies. Uh like Gone Girl the story itself like I don't care. I'm not like no, it's, it's good. fine. It was good. It was entertaining
3: enough.
0: Uh but everything about it just fucking works, and it's just obvious that it's made so fucking well. And then I watched uh, the next night, *Planet of the Apes*, which, which is which the one? original, the ni- nineteen sixty-eight. That one's not very good. Uh, I mean, you have to adjust your expectations <laughs> right. for the for the time. I uh, do.
1: There's but, good yeah, acting in the seventies. That's not it. It's
0: not a great movie, uh, but an enjoyable uh, couple of hours, nevertheless. And then I'm reading this book by Cormac McCarthy. I finally, I tried to read The Passenger when it when I first bought it back in Christmas. the fall, um, and and oftentimes what happens with books is I'll read the first chapter or so and I'll be like, I'm enjoying this, but it didn't quite grab me the way that it needed to, uh, and I went back and started over. And I'm really very much enjoying it now. We're getting ready to go
1: on vacation for two weeks. So Bob's going to occupy himself with something that will let him pay no attention to me whatsoever. <laughs> He'll find a book to just get into, to not engage with any of his family members at all the whole time. And then act like, what I'm here, I'm hanging out.
0: I might've been downplaying my asceticism earlier uh, because it, Occurs to me that I forgot to mention that while the dudes were getting fucking wasted at some bar, I went for a walk and found a really cool used bookstore and bought and bought three books and then sat outside the bar and read my new used books. Yeah. Uh, so while is it they were them inside. acting
1: like you're being an asshole or are you being an actual? Do you know asshole? where I
0: don't want to be at fucking forty. Is,
1: don't go to a bachelor party then say you're not coming i had a don't great come time and then Again, remove yourself i
0: cannot ex- I, I, I look credit to andrew for not uh, being a weirdo about it but like he wants me there i'm happy to be there i had a great time hanging out with the dudes and i drank plenty but i just can't do it for fucking 10 hours in a row so if i need to sit outside the bar Instead of going inside and getting wasted, that's what I'm going to do. And I enjoyed my, my book of shorts, sci-fi short stories that I picked up from this weird basement bookstore and had a great time. Um, what else? That's Nothing it. else. That's it. Lori's mad. It's time for bed. I'm
1: mad because it's late. I still have a job that I have to do where I have to be socialized all day. I don't get to just fuck off and read a book. Look, I have here, to lady, actually do We're giving thing.
0: you great conversation content to use no, uh, for the rest of the week. No! You can no. talk about. All I'm
1: thinking about is Disney World.
0: And this Brian Johnson weirdo who wants who to live is. forever. Uh, anyway, hey, have you uh, got anything else for us tonight? <laughs> nope. Well, I guess that's all we've got for tonight, then. And we'll talk to you next time.
2: Later. Yeah.
1: Can you hear them?
0: <laughs> we have a couple of owls in the yard now.
2: Like that... Uh, w- was it nice was <laughs> That the disgraced uh, theory of murder, what was I the just, bird?
0: I want to make sure that I mention frequently that we have owls on the property. <laughs> barred owls. <laughs> barred owls. Murderers. <laughs> murderous barred owls. In the event, <laughs> unlikely... <laughs> That anything befalls Lori, or myself, I've said, I said, I
1: don't have my headset plugged in, but I've said before, in a text to Julia, if I die at the bottom of the stairs in our house, it will be because I stood up too fast when my laundry alarm went off, and kind of blacked out right when I got to the stairs. Huh. So, that's something you know now. Like, I, oh, it yeah. happens every Sunday. I'm doing laundry... And I, I have an alarm on my phone, and I get up, like, I hear, like, oh, here I go, and I get up from the couch, and right when I get to the stairs, it all kind of goes away, and I'm like, ooh, you stood up too fast, yeah, but it's going to catch up with me one day.
0: I would like to note, she said that unprompted into <laughs> yeah. a recording of on her own.
1: If, if an owl doesn't get me first That uh, that was before we so had the owls, owls The murder owls
0: a, a rush of blood to the head At the top of the stairs
1: <laughs> On a Sunday
0: Is the number two option And third Least likely Husband murder
1: Yes
2: <laughs> that, That'll be the
1: order they'll go with hey, me... I'll kill Bob But I'll, I'll fess up to it
0: this one out without editing because I
1: I don't want to edit it do just put
0: editing's a pain in the ass should I just put it out there
1: just put it
0: there's some awkward pauses in there I'm afraid doesn't
1: matter no one listens
0: oh that's a good point
1: (laughs) (laughs) fucking matter
0: fucking Mike in Philly's listening allegedly (laughs) now
2: we'll see
1: Oh, nice. Good job. Mm.
0: Yeah. Good job by us in our (laughs) lengthy discussions on the topics, at least twice. The Proceeding was created with 100% human content.